0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them, In reply, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet, The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than He. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters. This morning, we celebrate Gaudete Sunday, which takes its name from the entrance antiphon for today's Mass, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, Rejoice. And as in Lent, halfway through this season of Advent, we take time to reflect with great joy on what we are preparing for. That we're halfway through this time of waiting. I remember being a kid, and it seemed like Advent was so long, right? Because you just knew Christmas was on its way. And when Gaudete Sunday would roll a rod and would be like, Yes, the Pink Vestment Week. (laughs) So now that I'm a priest, I'm like, yes, the Pink Vestment Week. But it is a sign of joy and anticipation of celebrating the incarnation of Jesus. And as we focus during the season of Advent on preparing ourselves to receive our Lord in a more profound way, it is a time of great anticipation. The more we focus on the waiting period, the more joy we actually have when we celebrate our Lord's arrival. You know, yesterday there was this one football game that's the only game I care about all year long. The Army Navy game. And of course, Monsignor Tucker scheduled me for the 5 p.m. Mass. I think I was up here giving my homily, I was recording it on my phone, and my text message went off. It was like, yes. Because it had been 14 years of waiting. Right? 14 years of waiting. And I'm sure that there was great rejoicing for those cadets. You know, it's just a very secular kind of human reality that as we're waiting on the Lord and preparing our hearts for him, as we wait for any event when it finally arrives, we have great joy. And this week, also, the church focuses our attention back on John the Baptist. And the particular role that John has in preparing the way for Jesus, and the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus. And it's a relationship that is so important for us to meditate on, especially with regard to our own conversion and the church's work of evangelization because John the Baptist plays a key role. But again, as I was being raised in the faith, I remember just hearing about John the Baptist a little bit at Advent, and that was kind of it. We never had a great focus on him. But he had a particular mission that was very, very important in the hearts of the followers of Jesus. Because as our Lord speaks to the crowds, right, these crowds of people that are following our Lord, he asks them this question, what did you go out to the desert to see? Which means that all of those people had been out in the desert with John. All right, what did you go out there to see? And then he has this series of sarcastic questions. Did you go out to the desert to see a reed swayed by the wind? Did you go out to the desert to find someone dressed in fine garments? Did you go out to see a prophet? And they had gone out to see a prophet whose mission was to call them to repentance so that they would be prepared to recognize Jesus when he came. And what does John do? John calls the people of Israel to repent of their sin. And so these people would go out to see John in the desert, and they would really just be sick of their lives. Like, I'm sick of living apart from the law. I want to change my life. I'm sick of being stuck in the sin of adultery. I want to change. I'm sick of being miserable all day long. I want to change. I don't know how to change, but I want to change. And so they go to John, and they confess their sins to him and everybody else around them. We want to change. And then he baptized them. It was this first movement of saying no to everything that keeps me from the Lord. I'm going to give up every earthly attachment in my life. Anything that gets in the way of me being good, I'm going to say no to all of that. And then our Lord comes. And after his own baptism, he starts bringing healing to their lives. And he fills this space in their hearts that was once occupied by their sin. And as they encounter him in his love and his mercy, and their hearts are filled with love, They're moved to follow him. That's how conversion happens. And John knew this very well. He knew that his mission was not the end. It was in preparation for something else. He really probably knew all he was doing was getting people to say no to sin and they were waiting on somebody to come to bring healing to the lives of their hearts. And so John asks this question Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Is it you that I've been preparing the people for? And our Lord's answer The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. Yes, I am the one who's bringing healing. I am the one who's bringing new life. I am the one who's filling hearts. And then as Jesus, what Jesus says about John, he is the one about whom it is written, I am sending my messenger ahead of you to prepare your way before you. And that necessary movement of preparing the way by turning away from sin. In our own lives, in our own time, we need John the Baptist and Jesus. We need John the Baptist before Jesus. If John the Baptist was here in our own time, what would people say when they went to him? I'm just sick of not being happy. I'm tired of being lonely. I'm tired of trying to get through life on my own. I'm tired of endlessly checking a smartphone and just getting more and more depressed because nobody's talking to me on it. I'm tired of being caught up in sexual sin. I'm tired of not really knowing Jesus in my life. And he would call us all to do the same to get rid of anything in our hearts, right? Anything that we're attached to in our hearts habitual sin, human attachments, desire to control desire to be independent so that in cleaning out that space in our heart there is room for our Lord to enter into our lives right? room for our Lord to enter into our lives we need to do this in our spiritual life we need to do it in our human relationships last night I was at a party at a friend's house and, and I walked into their living room and I was like didn't you have a TV there? yes, we moved it to the basement because I was sick of my husband every time he walked by the TV just being like, ah. Uh. And I was trying to talk to him and he'd just be like, uh So we moved it to the basement. And then her husband said, yeah, I actually, I'm paying with lots more attention to my spouse right now and their kids the same. No, I know another family, and they actually use their TV like kind of an appliance that you pull out once in a while. Like a bread mixer or something. And so if they want to watch something on television, they get their TV out of the closet and they set it up and plug it in and turn it on and watch the thing, and then they put the TV back in the closet, which I think is actually a really good thing. Because it eliminates distraction from each other. Which eliminates distraction from our Lord. Because our Lord is trying to enter into all of our hearts because he he wants to occupy our hearts completely. He wants to bring healing and freedom and joy into our own lives. And to do that we are called to create space for him. To constantly examine our hearts and say, like, what am I preoccupied with? What do I spend 90% of my day thinking about? <clears throat> because somehow that's taking up space that our Lord wants to occupy in my imagination. And when we allow him to do that, it's then, <clears throat> it's then that we truly experience Joy. And we can truly rejoice. in, In my own life, since I came back from Rome, I've tried to constantly focus my preaching on conversion and love. And every week as I preach on these things, I'm sort of preaching to myself and my own attachments and things like that. my own need for healing. Because we all have need for healing. We're all sinners. And there was a particular area of my life that I lacked forgiveness in, and I'd just been working through it, and working through it, and working through it. And it was about a month ago that our Lord gave me this gift very wise person helped me to organize what our Lord had revealed to me and then I went to my spiritual director who was able to speak the love of our Lord into that moment and it was a true obstacle to being loved and it was removed And then I was sitting there with my spiritual director and he said to me, what do you think Jesus thinks about you and the work that you do and what you're doing in the church? And I looked at him and I said, "Uh, I think he's kind of proud of me. It's hard to say. And then my director looked at me and he was like, yeah, what do you think of that, father? Like, is it to say, yes, he is. And ever since then, for some reason in my own life, it's been easier to live in that place of, like, it's okay that everything's okay. Because I have always been somebody, like many of you are, where it's a little more uncomfortable for things to be going well than for things to be chaotic. Right? When things are going well, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop or something. How are things going? Oh, really amazing, but that means something bad's going to happen. And in a new and more profound way, our Lord's teaching me what it means to live as his son. And my heart is more moved to go towards him. And that is what our Lord wants for us. To know the joy of being his sons and daughters. To know the joy of being his sons and daughters. And so in this Advent season, the preparation we do in our own hearts is the preparation of renouncing, rejecting, turning away from everything that gets in the way of encountering our Lord. So that our Lord can come into our hearts, just as he came into the world 2,000 years ago, and fill us personally with great joy. And we do that by turning away from sin, by turning away from distraction. Parents, in a particular way, you have a mission like John the Baptist's. To prepare a space in your children's lives so that they're more open to being able to encounter our Lord, so that they're not filled with distraction. And this Advent season is a reminder to us all that we all are in continuing need of conversion. And so today, let us pray that during the second half of the Advent season, that we are more mindful of the preparation that we're making that we have the courage to reject everything that gets in the way of us encountering our Lord and seeing his face that we may truly welcome him with great joy as we celebrate his first coming into the world and we invite him in an ever new and more profound way to come into our hearts that we might live as his beloved sons and daughters.